Hi, this is Natalia Drozhin from Momsdash, and you are listening to Eat Blog Talk Podcast. Hey, awesome food bloggers. Before we dig into this episode, I have a really quick favor to ask you. Go to your favorite podcast player, go to Eat Blog Talk, scroll down to the bottom where you see the ratings and review section. Leave Eat Blog Talk a five-star rating if you love this podcast and leave a great review. This will only benefit this podcast. It adds value. And I so very much appreciate your efforts with this. Thank you so much for doing this. Okay, now on to the episode. Hey, food bloggers. Welcome to Eat Blog Talk, sponsored by Rank IQ. I am your host, Megan Porta, and you are listening to episode number 268. Today, Natalia and I are going to talk about her awesome blogging journey and how her first two years of full-time blogging have gone, including all of those hiccups and wins. Natalia Drozhin is the founder and head home cook for Mom's Dish, a food blog focused on bringing crazy easy recipes to the masses. She's a fan of minimal ingredient lists and giving her followers great foundational recipes that they can tweak and make their own. One thing she isn't a fan of is turning her kitchen into an all-day-long science experiment, unless it's for the sake of fresh sourdough, of course. Um, Hey, Natalia, how are you today? I'm doing good, Megan. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's so great to have you here for the second time. I haven't talked to you in over a year, but I love having repeat guests and it's so great to have you back. Yeah, time flies and I'm excited to come back. Yes, and hearing about your full-time journey is going to be fun. I'm excited for this conversation. But first, do you have a second fun fact to share with us? Yeah, sure. Um, Well, kind of a life update almost. (laughs) Uh, We... Uh, packed everything up and moved cross country. Originally, I'm a Ukrainian, so we moved to US in 90s with my family. Uh, met my husband in Seattle, and just this last year, we packed everything up. Our little family with two boys and moved to Nashville. Oh, I love Nashville. What is your favorite part about being in Nashville? Oh my, that's putting me on the spot because there's so many great things. Um, I'm actually really impressed with the food scene and uh, the family environment here. I think those are the two favorite things, but it's really hard to like put it in one. But definitely the family environment, you feel safe, comfortable. It's just the people of the South are the best. Oh, I know. It is such a great little city. Um, okay. I don't want to waste any time because I know we have a lot t- to talk about and you've had an up and down journey as far as like digging into full-time food blogging for your first couple of years. So let's dig right into this. Um, Do you want to just start with leaving your quote day job? I think that was in 2019, right? And how that went um, and kind of just talk us through that. Oh, that's kind of like, it feels almost too far to remember, but I kind of can walk through it. Uh, So 2019, I left my job. I was nerve wracking. I had so in 2019, I created this vision board. I, if at some point I make a certain amount of dollars, I can do this. And so at that point, I left my job. And it's been what a journey because we have a few team members now and uh, just kind of diving in. So do you want me to kind of share what I started with or? Uh, yep, go for it. Okay. So in 2019, we launched a new site. So I actually have been blogging with mom's dish for fun. I was one of those believers that will never 
have an ad on my website. I will never, ever charge for my recipes. Um, but time came. I knew if I have to do provide quality work, I had to pick one. I had to either be on my, I was very successful at my corporate job or, uh, you know, start blogging full time and actually provide a good resource, not just like a hobby type of thing. And I could just never do a good job. I was never you know, consistent with my recipes. So leaving the job was a big decision making for me because like I said, I was very successful in my corporate job and um, going into something, knowing that there is an opportunity um, out there, but we just started with a new site, updated, started updating all of our recipes, which I'm still doing. <laughs> it just never ends. <laughs> it's like a circle. <laughs> oh, it doesn't ever end. I swear, never. <laughs> but yeah, that's, those were the few things that we focused on. My photography was not great at the time. So I really focused on like updating my photos, I've really dive deep, deep into the fo- photography because then you want to be successful. I really needed to take that upon us and like make sure that I'm doing a good job with that. It's not perfect right now, but it's good enough. That's what I keep on telling myself. <laughs> and so uh, we updated mostly focusing on recipes and photos and a new site. Yeah, I love that you started with something that you noticed that you weren't excelling at and you really focused on that. And then also I have to point this out that you just decided, right? Like there came, there came a point when you just had to make a decision whether or not your blog was going to be a hobby or a business. And once you made that decision, then things started to unfold more easily for you, do you feel like? Yeah, so we pretty much at that point, me and my husband work very closely together in all of our like jobs of life, kind of. So we sat down and we kind of made a plan. So I dove deep into SEMrush, researching a little bit more what is our opportunity then focusing on a blog, understanding what the community, you know, in the community, what people, as far as money wise, what do they make? Is Does this make sense for us to even, for me to leave a job? Um, and so when we sat down and made that plan, it was easier because I knew I was getting up at 4 a.m. every morning to go to my work. And I have two young ch- children at the time. Well, right now they're almost teenagers. One of them is a teenager. So you know, knowing that I, I have been getting up at 4 a.m., I am doing all this hard work while I am successful at the corporate job, but it is not for us. It's not our future. It's if I don't show up tomorrow for work, then I don't get paid. And so I knew if I put in the same amount of energy into this blog, I knew that we can be successful because all you need to do is just work hard. That was my concept in my head. Well, there was, <laughs> it's not always like that. Can I throw in a question here that I think would be helpful for listeners? If there's somebody who is who is currently in the shoes that you were in, where you're like trying to divide your life and do both things, getting up at 4 a.m. just to fit it all in, what advice do you have for them? So, I mean, you have to decide if this is going to be, if you're going to leave your job, that, that was for me. If I'm going to leave my job, will I put in the same exact effort that I was putting into the other job? Um, with the blog. So for us, it was, we already knew that we're going to be successful because we're getting traffic already. Um, at the time in 2019 or 18, even we were already qualified for an ad network. We just didn't have an ad network on our website because like I said before, we didn't believe in adding ads to our website until we updated it completely. So at that time I knew we can make some money. It'll cover enough for, you know, for our life. Uh, but 
I also knew that if we make this plan, uh, researching everything, and I work just as hard, we're going to be successful. So it's almost like giving yourself permission to dream big and knowing that if you do work hard, that you know, you're going to get the results. I like that. Giving yourself permission to dream big and also just like making the decision because when you're waffling about something, when you're on the fence about anything, you're never going to go all in, right? You're just going to be like, well, maybe this, well, maybe not. But when you just decide, then you have to, you have no other choice. You're in. Also, I had a lot of mom guilt too, because when you were working at 4 a.m., we had a student that would come and take them to school. So when they would come back from school, I was already home for my job. But at the same time, in the afternoons, I would be working on the blog because it was my truly, it was my passion. I loved what I was doing with with the blog. So it was like me working full time plus doing this. And I knew I was not doing a good job anywhere because I was just pulling myself too thin. So knowing that I can have this opportunity by putting in all this energy and then still having the balance to see my kids in the afternoons or on the weekends, it was just the best thing for our family. Oh, the mom guilt is so real. I mean, <laughs> I still even feel it sometimes, even though, oh, I mean, sure. I feel like I have a really good balance um, and we do a pretty good. And I always tell my boys, like, you guys are actually really lucky that I have been able to be here for you. Like after school, even though I'm working most days, I'm in the basement doing, you know, whatever, doing my job. I'm here and most parents are not. Yeah. And they're always like, mom, get off your computer. But I'm like, you have no idea. This is a huge blessing. And I know that they'll understand that someday. But when they say that, I still feel those twinges of mom guilt. It never fully goes away. For sure. Yesterday, I was driving with my younger son to a soccer game and I was talking to him. I was like, can you imagine getting up at 4 a.m.? You have to get ready. It takes some time. I mean, I, I still put myself together most days, but still, it's not the same type of get ready to go to a corporate job. Then you drive the amount of time that you spend working. I was like breaking it down to him how long it takes to actually work. So if you're working 40 hours a week, you're really spending 60 hours a week on work. And so we have that flexibility at home to do that, you know, at any time of the day, which is incredible right now. Yes, that's so true. I remember as a kid when I was my boys' ages, I spent a lot of time home alone, just like listening to the radio and watching TV, waiting for my mom to get off of work. So it's a huge blessing that we are able to be here for our kids for the most part. I would like to hear because I know your husband has joined you, right? So I would love to hear about that. Like, when did he make that decision to come over and help you? full-time and how did that all go so my husband is the tech savvy guy uh, on our uh, in our business and I think we're lucky because I do the recipe development and he does all the website stuff pretty much anything that you need to google he will know it (laughs) he's super smart about in all those aspects so we are lucky there and um in 2000 what year is this 21 I keep on like thinking I'm still 2020 Thank God that what year is over, but <laughs> time warp, the COVID time warp, right? <laughs> so it's 2021, earlier in a year, we decided that he's going to leave his job. So this was during the process when we moved. Um, so it was earlier this year, but he was very involved. So it was like also the same thing, like where he was working at the other job. He was actually working from home starting to 2020 or actually late 2019. 
So he was working from home, but the balance between two jobs and mom's dish was keeping him quite busy because we were relaunching everything. We knew that at some point where we made enough money with the blog, we'll have the permission pretty much for him to leave. And so, and it was scary because he had the health insurance. He had very, he was running a big corporation online. So he had very successful career. Um, and I'm like, is this, are we doing the right thing? You always double question everything. And so like, it was scary, but at the same time, it was the best thing we have done because I knew we were also sacrificing that time with kids because I would be, you know, doing the parts where, you know, he was busy, but I would be like uh, helping out with boys all the time and doing all those little things. And now he's way more involved. Um, they just have a great bond. And I think it's like a good outcome out of it. So you feel like him coming full time with you has actually increased your family bond? Is that what you're saying? For sure, because Aww. I mean, he's no longer pulling the two jobs. Um, yeah. He's more, fo- he can also more focus on one thing, and we can actually, instead of like burning uh, things out, like the burning bridges, like we're, we're like trying to fix the little things that are dying, he's actually working on new things that are starting to grow. So it's just really exciting with the blog. I think we'll see the benefits of it in a few years what he's doing with the blog right now. You're planting the seeds right now, right? And you'll yes, see them we are. grow later. I love that so much. I love stories about husbands who come on board with their wives and just have total faith in them and know their businesses are strong and going to thrive. And then it like works out. I just love that. Some people say to him, how does it feel like working for your wife? But we never feel that way. <laughs> it's never been like that since day one because he's the one who created the blog. He is the one who developed everything. So in our situation, he doesn't work for me. And, you know, a lot of bloggers will bring their husbands in because they do have the stability to bring them in. But oftentimes husbands come in and they don't know where they would fit in. He already had a place in a blog. He's the one who was like the biggest part of the blog. I'm just the creative side. So we have a great partnership in that sense. Oh, that's so great. Can you talk us through some of your uh, maybe low points in your two-year journey so far being full-time? What are some of those lowest points that you guys have experienced? I think the biggest challenge right now, especially in the last few weeks, we've been talking about it quite a bit. Um, The burnout is real. And I have been hearing a lot of bloggers also talking about mental health. Uh, in the last, you know, the last year or so, because we do work together and it's constant. We're trying to be more intentional about time together where we don't talk about the block because we're constantly working and working till midnight and it's never enough. Like you never know when to stop because you're like, I can do this and this will happen. And so that's the biggest challenge where you just, especially if you're working together and we do have that partnership it's really, really hard to know when to stop right now. Do you guys set hard, fast rules for yourselves? Like we're done by a certain time or anything like that? No, no. Our biggest thing right now, I think with the balance is we travel. So we plan quite a bit of trips. We travel about three months out of the year. Um, Even, you know, during the 2020, we managed to figure out a way to travel. And um, we have been, it's been a great thing for our family, for us to be able to unplug. Our next summer plan is to go to Europe for the whole summer. So that's going to be really great for our family, I think. So that's like 
that's one thing that really helps me to look forward to those things. But I do think we need to get better about the balance, like day-to-day balance. How do you handle vacation? How do you handle traveling? Do you work while you're traveling or do you shut it down while you're on the road or out exploring? We do very little work. We still do work because we do have a team right now. So uh, we communicate with them. Uh, we always do month. Um, maybe this is completely off topic, but we have m- Monday meetings with our team. So we still would do that because we still want the block to continue having the active life behind the scenes. But besides that, I mean, we are not like creating new projects. We're just kind of like making sure everything's running smoothly, but it's very little work, like a few hours a day. This is a struggle for me. I still have a hard time with this. So we just went on vacation last week for the whole week. And even though I had everything done, like everything was scheduled, I had everything under control. My VA was taking care of, you know, loose ends were needed. And I still like mentally, I couldn't fully detach. And I was thinking, this is ridiculous. I have been doing this for 11 years. You can have a week off. Oh my gosh. It was just like this mental battle. Do you, do you ever experience things like that? Or is it just me? I do. Um, but at the same time, I'm very good about like getting ahead with things. So I give my, I try to give myself permission. But the times that we do work is like we allow our voice to use electronics. They don't use a lot of electronics. Like we have a policy in our family that they can only use on the weekend. Or if we're traveling, we have like some downtime. So they can like game play their games. And if they are having fun, they don't mind us working. But I want them not to feel like, hey, we went on this trip and mama's still working. I would hate for them to have that image or that impression of us. No, I totally agree. Um, and I work very minimally when we're on vacation. Like I'll maybe go into email like once a day just to make sure it doesn't build up crazily. But I notice that when I do that, like I'll be in there just for a few minutes and my boys will be like, mom, why are you working? I'm like, whoa, <laughs> this is like <laughs> two minutes of my day back off. I am with you. I hate to think that they have this image of me like working while we're on vacation. So I think that keeps me from really digging in. But it's always good to hear how other people manage that and also like how they mentally manage it because I need to work on that. That is a real struggle for me still. And I just feel like I feel guilty about it. Why am I still struggling with this? Why can't I just let it go? I I think I hear across the board, it's very common for everybody. And um it's i think it's almost impossible to have that balance because it's like we have the to a point but we have limitless success like the more you work the more successful that you can be so it's like at the same time you're like oh i can do this and this and this and there's so many things you can do a million things and i have like a million ideas in my head so you just never want to stop working but stopping yourself and realizing that hey it's okay to stop (laughs) Right. Just giving your permission, yourself permission to stop and enjoy life and enjoy your family fully once in a while, I think is really important. What are some of the other lows you guys have experienced? So this last summer, uh, just kind of backstory, um, when I left my job, we have had amazing growth with Google. Like it was just every update, we had a benefit from it and we just kept growing and growing. And we felt like We're just doubling our numbers every year, pretty much, or more than doubling. I think we had 400% growth in 2020. 
yeah 2020 for you guys that's amazing we had amazing growth and then 2021 summer update really hit us and it was painful because i think every uh time you get hit with something like that you feel almost discouraged we are going to take a really quick break so i can tell you about this new favorite keyword research tool of mine i am obsessed with i can't wait to share about it with you with eat blog talk listeners it is called rank iq and it is a custom keyword library packed with keywords that are easy to rank for and that get a lot of traffic one of the things that differentiates rank iq from other keyword research tools is that it has a fraction of the keywords available that have been handpicked and thoroughly researched searched before even being put into the library. When doing keyword research through other tools, there is a massive number of results displayed and I have no idea how to select something that is actually going to rank on Google. Rank IQ breaks down the keywords into specific blogging niches. It is a tool, by the way, meant for and created for bloggers. And the tool tells you how fast each keyword will rank, how much competition it has, and also the number of yearly traffic estimates. I have personally run almost 100 keywords through the Rank IQ Optimizer for my blog within the past 10 months, and many of them shot up quickly in Google rankings, and they get me a ton of traffic. One of the things I love about Rank IQ is that you don't need a really high domain authority in order to rank for these keywords. Anyone can do this. So you can come in with a low domain authority score, run a keyword through the optimizer that's built into Rank IQ, and actually get on page one of Google very quickly. If you want to check out Rank IQ, I highly recommend it. I think every food blogger should be using this tool. Go to rankiq.com for more information, or you can also go to the eBlog Talk resources page at eatblogtalk.com forward slash resources to get the link to head over to Rank IQ and start digging into it. I really hope that you love this tool as much as I do. Now let's get back to the episode. So at some point we're like, man, we've been doing all of these things and we've been doing the same pattern. Why did this hit us? What is happening? So it was hard because we were expecting this 400% growth again this year, but we, you know, we're not experiencing that. So it was kind of challenging and every morning we would get up, we would see that like it was dropping the traffic was dropping. So I think we got hit like to 30%. We recovered majority of it. We knew what the issue was having Tim on our team. Um, so like, I guess my biggest suggestion would be like, if you don't have somebody like my husband on your team, hiring some a good developer that's in-house, that's really helpful. I think that was our be- biggest benefit, having him on our team and being able to dive in deep right away and stopping what was happening was really helpful for us. Um, although it did take about three months to recover back up. So what was your mindset going through that? Because I know pretty much anyone listening has probably been through something like that where just overnight they've seen a drop in traffic on some platform and it's hard. It is so hard to recover from that. So what was your mindset as you were kind of going through it and what mindset pulled you out of it? It was really hard because now we have a team of people we're financially responsible for. Uh, my biggest thing as a business owner right now, I never want to fire people. Like I want to make sure we hire the right people for the team. Well, we never want to fire somebody like unless, you know, they're doing a terrible job. 
So um, being financially responsible for somebody else was like my first thing in my, my, my mind. I was like, what are we going to do? What if this all like dies <laughs> tomorrow, you know? Aww. Because they like kept on dropping every day. We would get up and it was like, I knew we're not going to lose everything. But the drastic drops that we saw every day was just kind of like scary. So I was like, okay, how do we do this? But our main thing was that we have a year of salary saved for our employees in a savings account, just in case of something happening, you know, that way we always have the job security for them. So I knew that's going to be okay. Financially, we can still support our team. And if we keep working hard, it's going to recover back up. So, and then it, it actually, it kicked us in a butt in a good way. Like we started like being more organized. Uh, we got better systems in place and we just started producing better content and more content. So it really propelled you to think differently and to kind of think about your business differently and do new things and different things, which is great. Did you diversify in any way after that, your revenue streams? Let me go back a little bit uh, to your prior question because I feel like I didn't answer it fully. Also, also having the developer, like skill developer on uh, our end and talking and communicating and them explain, like Tim explained to me, like, this is not a bad thing. We can fix this. We're going to recover in three months. And we did recover in three months. So having a skilled person was reassuring. So I think that helped. But during the process, it was hard. About diversifying, we decided we're actually going to create a second blog. So it did encourage us to think about different avenues of what we're going to do. Uh, we are focused more on YouTube channel right now, although moving cross country was like, it kind of interrupted our videos. Uh, but at the same time, we're trying to focus on YouTube channel and we're in the process of creating a second blog. Oh, so did the second blog come from that period? Um, the second blog was an idea we had still like a year ago. Um, but that like kind of was just like, okay, we really got to do this. And what are the steps that we're doing to do it? So we started like developing the second blog. Oh, that's exciting. I've heard more and more bloggers considering that and doing that. So it is always something that intrigues me, but I need to rein myself in because <laughs> I just don't know that I could handle that. But good for you guys. That's exciting. And is it like a totally separate niche? Um, it's similar to what we're interested in. We're not sharing a URL yet uh, because we'll have at least 50 recipes before we go live. It's part of our strategy. Uh, but it's something we're passionate about, but it's very niche down. Okay. Very, very so cool. So we're really excited. Maybe I can share about it next time we come on board. But it really helped us to get organized. We have an air table. I don't know if you've heard of yes. it. Uh, we're super organized. In Airtable, we have a lot of like automations in there. Um, and it really helped us to get organized, create systems in place. So I think second blog will not feel overwhelming because everything is kind of like not in our head, but more on like, you could say paper, but it's an air table. Okay. I know, Natalia, that you guys are doing just like killing it with the retreats you've been doing. And I know COVID probably dampened that a little bit, right? But are you back up and running with retreats? And how are those going? I guess, let me explain my reasoning for the treats. In 2019, when I came on board and blogging, I knew I knew nothing. Like, I just did not know where to start. What are we supposed to do? And I had some friends in the community and one of the friends that was very, like, successful, she said, you know, I know a blogger is doing retreats. I was like, okay, well, if I plan a retreat 
and do all the hard work, I can invite people and I can learn from them. So I was willing to put in all the work for the retreat. That way I can create a community. And we have started, we did the first one, I believe 2019. And then ever since then, I think we have done seven retreats so far or six. (laughs) I might be playing my sixth one but they're very so I, we have two different retreats i'm playing one retreat that's more like very organized and very professional we go overboard last time we ordered a limo like chef came into the house all that stuff the other retreat is more like our closer friends that are blogging with their spouses i'm very passionate about couples that blog together so that was my initial retreat that i created so i found couples in the community that blog together so i invited a few couples and we just became great friends. So we go grill together. We cook together. We just hang out as friends. At the same time, we have something in common, which is a blog. So we do that one once a year. And then the other one I'm doing with a friend once a year as well. So we do two. Re- I, I personally plan two retreats a year. That is so great. I hosted one in the fall of this year, 2021. And it was so amazing. And honestly, like not a ton of work went into it. I found a good place, found the right people to come, got some good food. Those were like the necessary ingredients and that was it. So do you have any takeaways that you've learned from planning so many retreats? What main advice would you give to the rest of us? So I think one of the biggest things people get overwhelmed by a retreat, um, the idea of it. It's actually really simple. If you can, and that's like my strategy for life in general. Like if you can simplify something to the simplest thing possible, it's really possible to do retreat and it's effortless because people in the group are so thankful. They're so willing to help. So we usually find one sponsor or two sponsors to sponsor the entire retreat. So there is no cost to the blogger to come like for the house or uh, the food. Uh, we usually get somebody to sponsor that and then they travel, cover their cost. Um, and then the rest of it, we just kind of like put ideas together. We have a Facebook group. We put ideas together and we create a schedule and um, kind of talk about those topics. Sometimes when it's a large group, you have to bring everybody together and be like, okay, guys, let's get together, talk about this and like interrupt like some conversations. But besides that, it's just like, it depends on the group, but you can really simplify it and make it really great that way. So do you do like mastermind style where you just kind of let the conversation flow freely and let each person bring something specific to the table? Or do you ever do um, like, we are going to focus on video or we're going to focus on photography or anything like that? Not in like, so one specific retreat, we don't do just one topic. We talk about everything. Oftentimes we do like a icebreaker and everybody shares what's been successful for them, what's been going really well for them. Then we dive into different topics. So sometimes you'll see, hey, this blogger is strong in YouTube. I really want you to share. And then uh, knowing that we like just set up our ear table in such a like great way, then we have somebody else share about the like we would share about Airtable. So like finding what somebody specializes in and like talking about those topics and then other people can add to it or ask questions. And so it, it's super casual. That's why I say it's not really hard to plan them because we don't have a keynote speaker. We don't really have anybody specialized because I think we're the best experts. We do this every day. It really is like it. you can get your hands on everything really easily. So if somebody, like you said, has expertise in YouTube, you can just sit right at their computer and watch exactly what they do. 
And we were talking at our recent retreat about how it's actually more valuable doing that as opposed to going to a conference. I mean, conferences are amazing. I'm not going to say they're not, but you can get right in there and you can ask questions. Whereas at a conference, if you're just listening to somebody speak on stage, you can't raise your hand and stop them. It's just like a very hands-on experience that is unlike any other. I feel like it's one of the most valuable things you can actually do to learn. Yeah. And having the same group return every year or like every retreat is very valuable as well, because then you can say, hey, we talked about this last time and this is what happened. Uh, And then like things like that, that's been really helpful for us is having the same group. Also, we create a, um, so this is like more of like casual style, but that's why it works in, in a retreat environment. We create a Google Doc where everybody is invited to, and we just take notes on that Google Doc, the whole entire retreat. And then when we come home, we have combined notes because it's not just like, what if I step away to the yeah. bathroom and I miss something? But everything's in this Google Doc or like I go get a snack, but everything's there. So it's like, it's a great place um, to have all of our information that we learn from the retreat and kind of come back home and actually do those things. I'm so glad you touched on retreats because I think it's something that food bloggers don't always think to do. It kind of goes under the radar, but there's so much power in it. Just getting a small group of like-minded peers together to really, really learn. So that brings me to another question. What do you feel like is the magic number of people to get together for a retreat? I personally think anything over 10 is too much. Um, So like if you can go under 10 people is a good number because then everybody has I think uh, everybody will feel inclusive. People don't split up into small groups. Kind of everybody stays together. Um, When you go over 10, I feel like at that point, there's a lot of groups forming. It's harder to have that connection when it's a large group. So while we've been planning so many retreats, people want to get invited. And it's really hard to say no. And then people feel like I'm not inviting them just because I don't like them. I love everybody. You know, it's it's hard to invite more people to the group. But once you have this magic number, it's really hard to grow that group of people because then it's not the same. It's no longer that, you know, personal retreat. Do you have any other tips for retreats specifically? Uh, I would say if you're going to be planning a retreat, find a location that's convenient close to the airport. Um, find a place that has like fun uh, food scene maybe to get out one of the nights to go to a restaurant. Um, a lot of the times bloggers are afraid to ask for a sponsor to sponsor um, the retreat. If you can tell, we had this last retreat we were planning, we had like seven brands were fighting for and we'd make it exclusive. So we would just say, hey, first come, first serve. We want this email and we just are going to take one or two brands to work with because we don't want it to be about brands. So that's our other thing is that we don't want it to be so much about sponsors. So we pick one or two sponsors for the event and we try to focus on that one brand and the brand loves it because there's so much more you know, exposure for them. But at the same time, it's like for them, it's like it's it's just an amazing opportunity all around. It's a win-win for bloggers and it's a win-win for the brand as well. So don't be afraid to reach out and ask because most likely people want their brand to be associated with a solid group of awesome food bloggers. <laughs> for sure. And especially if you have been working with the brand for a while um, and you have a great relationship and explaining what you're doing. And we don't like, for example, when we work with brands, we don't set numbers or expectations or anything. We get on the call with them, explain, hey, 
we can't require every blogger to do this, but this is, and we don't put it in a contract. Like nobody's required to do anything, but this is, you know, this is going to be your opportunity. We're going to encourage it, but nobody's going to be required to do anything. And that's kind of like, they're like a lot of the times brands would be cautious about it, but at the same time, you know, they have to really trust you that you're the right person to work with. Do you foresee yourself uh, continuing with the retreats going forward? For sure. I think that's where we learned the most. That's where we grew the most. That's where I created a lot of connections. I have the best friends in the community because of it. And it's not hard. People oftentimes reach out to me like that want to be invited and they ask. And I always say, hey, if you want to plan a retreat, and I'm going to say this on here, if you ever want to plan a retreat, reach out. I can give you the tools. I can help you out. I'm not going to charge you for my information. Uh, free of cost. It's so easy. And I, I want everybody to create their community, to create their there are a little bubble of people because it's so helpful to have that mastermind of people, a group of people that you can connect with. Oh my gosh, there's so much power in that. I can't even say that enough. That was a very generous offer. So if you guys want to reach out to Natalia, that would be a great way to learn about retreats and get those key takeaways for what you need to do. So thank you for doing that, Natalia. Um, so in the general scope of just transforming into a full-time food blogger, do you have any last takeaways, last bits of advice for people who are on the fence or considering it in the near future? I mean, if you can see yourself um, working just as passionately if you were, you know, at your other job and, you know, you're learning the tools, you're open in the community, um, for sure. I think there's a lot of great opportunity if you can put in an energy to it. Also getting a team uh, team that will help you out. There is so many tools. So like our thing with our blog, I think the reason why we grew the way we did is because we didn't hire out. We had high expenses at the beginning of it all. It was just pretty much we were spending everything we were making because we we're hiring so many people to help us grow the blog. Oftentimes bloggers hold on to that and they're like, I don't really want to do this or I don't want to get a good hosting company. Well, if you don't get good hosting company, your blog can get hurt and eventually, or if you don't get a good developer, it's just like any other business. Think about restaurant business, how much investment they have to put into a restaurant before the restaurant starts up. Same thing here. If you treat it like a business, it will be a business. If you don't, I don't think it will. I mean, some people get lucky, but if you don't treat it like a business, it's really hard to grow into a business, especially right now. It's so competitive. Oh, that's so true. I think that is like one of the things that gets missed, especially if you're like me and you've started a long time ago and it was kind of a hobby and you just carry that mindset with you. There has to be a point where you just decide that it's a business. And then once you make that decision to start treating it that way, then things start to transform. This has been such a great chat, Natalia. Thank you so much for coming back for your second interview. I had so much fun chatting with you. Is there anything you would like to leave us with as far as another favorite quote or words of inspiration for food bloggers? This year has been <laughs> um, good enough has been my quote. And I told my husband once we get a work studio, I just want something that all that says good enough because not everything can be perfect. So it sounds horrible, like I'm doing a mediocre job, but I don't think I am. But sometimes we're so hard on ourselves to make everything so perfect. So being reminded that good enough is also good enough. <laughs> oh, I think we all need to hear that because we do 
get in that mindset of, well, it's not perfect. Is it okay to publish? Is it okay to put my video out there? So great message to end on. Now, if people want to get a hold of you to talk about retreats or anything else, is there a place they can go and also share your social media handles and website with us? I think the best way to reach out to me personally would be uh, the Instagram page, uh, Momstish. Um, we do have Facebook, um, email. Um, I don't know if I want to post to email, but if I think the best way to connect would be Instagram. Um, but as well, reach out through contact page on the blog. It will go to me as well. But we do have team members that will point it out to me as well as it comes through other sources. And your site is momsdish.com, correct? Correct. Okay, so everyone go check out Natalia there. And we will put together a show notes page for you too. So if you want to check those out, uh, you can go to eblogtalk.com forward slash momsdish2. So thank you again for being here, Natalia. It was such a pleasure to chat with you today. And thank you for listening, food bloggers. I will see you next time. Thank you for having me. We're glad you could join us on this episode of Eat Blog Talk. For more resources based on today's discussion, as well as show notes and an opportunity to be on a future episode of the show, be sure to head to eatblogtalk.com. If you feel that hunger for information, we'll be here to feed you on Eat Blog Talk.